In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. On Sunday, October 2nd, we celebrate the Feast of the Guardian Angels. And October 2nd, in Opus Dei, for people who are either faithful members of Opus Dei, or cooperators, or friends, or just know the history of Opus Dei, we know that Opus Dei was founded on October 2nd, October 2nd, 1928. St. Jose Maria was a young priest making a retreat in Madrid. And he saw, as he explained it, he saw by a divine illumination, Opus Dei, the possibility of holiness, the call to holiness for ordinary men and women in the world. And as with many saints, this message, this charism that God was calling him to bring into the world, was also very closely connected to his personal encounter with God. This is from St. Josemaria's biography when he was just 16 years old. On Wednesday, January 9th, 1918, Josemaria turned 16. The city of Legronio lay peaceful under a heavy snowfall. The temperature hovered around zero degrees. No one went out unless they absolutely had to. On one of those wintry days, the young man looked down at the snow and saw footprints left by bare feet. He realized that they had been made by one of the Carmelite friars who had recently arrived in the city. He wondered, if others can make sacrifices for God, can't I offer him something? It was a thought destined to remain with him for the rest of his life. If others can make sacrifices for God, can I offer him something? What does God want from me, personally? Lord, what do you want from me? What do you want of me, of my life? Years later, St. Josemaria, reflecting on that experience and those years, said this, Our Lord was preparing me in spite of myself, using apparently innocuous things, to instill a divine restlessness in my soul. Thus I came to understand very well the love, so human and so divine, that moved St. Therese of the Child Jesus when, leafing through the pages of a book, she suddenly came upon a picture of one of the Redeemer's wounded hands. Things like that happened to me too. Things that moved me and led me to daily communion, to purification, to confession, and to penance. St. Therese, whose feast we celebrate on October 1st, a day before the Feast of the Guardian Angels, St. Therese was struck when she saw the picture of our Lord's wounded palm with the holes in it from the nails in the cross. The Holy Spirit used that image to move her heart to greater contrition, a greater love of God. 
And St. Rosemary says, that stuff used to happen to me too. And Lord, it should happen to us. But for it to happen to us, we need to be praying. We need to be looking (laughs) at pictures, looking at you in our prayer, in our reading. To give you opportunities, Lord, to move us, to convert us, to change our heart, to inspire us. Things like that happened to me too. Things that moved me and led me to daily communion, to purification, to confession, and to penance. I began to have intimations of love, to realize that my heart was asking for something great, and that it was love. I didn't know what God wanted of me, but it was evident that I had been chosen for something. And so St. Josemaria started to pray to you, Lord, Udvidiam, that I may see using the words of the Latin Vulgate for that request of the blind man, Jesus asks the blind man, what would you have me do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, that I may see. And in the Vulgate Latin, it's Udvidiam, that I may see. And he would also use the aspiration, Udsit, that it may come about. And ten years later, God finally showed him Opus Dei, the universal call to holiness. And in a way, as happens in the lives of many saints, he was just called to proclaim to the world what he had already experienced. His heart was asking him for something great, right? and it was love. God was asking him for something great, and it was love. He experienced that at 16. And to found Opus Dei, is to tell the whole world this, that God is asking each one of us for something great. And it's holiness. It's a great love of God and a love of others, a committed service to God and service to others, an awareness of the value of God in our prayer life and the value of others in our work and our friendship and our family life in our evangelization and our bringing to them the good news. Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you for this reality, this truth, the universal call to holiness that I have a vocation. And every Christian, and potentially every person, because Lord, you want all souls to go to heaven, and therefore, at least implicitly by baptism of desire, all souls in your plan are called to be Christians. Every Christian is loved by God with an infinite love. Every Christian is called to love God and others generously, fully, as Christ loved us on the cross. Love one another as I have loved you. Thank you, Lord, for this call. Help me to be aware of it. Help me to be braced by it, emboldened by it. And I think that's a good takeaway from for us, that since we're called to holiness, we can have a great confidence in our efforts to live charity, in our efforts to develop our prayer life, and our ability to suffer, to suffer well the trials that God sends to us. Why? Because if it's God's will for us that we, that we be holy, that we live this intense, radical Christian life, all the demands of the gospel, well, then God will give us the means to do it. We have the grace to do it. I was thinking about this the other day, 
thinking about sports, and I was thinking it must be a, a big difference for like a general manager, someone who's running a team and has to look for free agents or build a, a farm system for a team. It must be a huge difference if he knows the owner is committed, that the owner is a big spender, that the owner has confidence in his ability. And if if that's the case, right, if you know the boss has a ton of resources and is willing to spend them and has your back and is confident in your ability to do the job, well, then you're going to work harder and you're going to be more daring in doing your work and you're going to be more excited about your work of building that team because you know there's a big checkbook behind you and there's the moral support of the owner behind you. And so it just makes it more exciting because you realize that it's possible. It's You're not limited. You're not handcuffed in trying to put the best team out there to use all the resources that there are to do the job that you have to do. Whereas if you're kind of hesitant, like, you know, the owner's not totally on board, he doesn't trust you that much, He's not willing really to spend a lot of money. He wants you to do a kind of budget job just to stay afloat. Well, then that's, <laughs> that's discouraging, right? And, and your options are limited and maybe you don't work as hard because you don't think the work is worth it. It's not going to, this thing's not going anywhere. Well, in the project that is our sanctity and the project that is our Christian life, we have this owner, so to speak. We have this backing, this bankroller, the chairman of the board, who's totally on our side and who has limitless resources of grace, limitless support, and who has confidence that we can do this. We can build this life. This is our call to holiness. God gives grace for things that he wants from us. God will always help us to do and achieve and be the things that he's calling us to do and to achieve and to be. And so, Lord, help me to take a great confidence and a great energy and enthusiasm from the fact that you've called me to holiness. You've called me to be another Christ. And this also gives us a great security in our identity in the world, our identity throughout life. St. Josemaria wasn't making anything up. I mean, it was always there in the Bible, and it was always there, in, especially in the New Testament. This is from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, for example, the passage that St. Josemaria preached about a lot. St. Paul, writing to the Ephesians, and therefore to all of us, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. And so this is a very powerful and profound idea that God's choice of us, God's vocation for us, his calling, exists before we do. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. In love, he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. And so as a Christian, I know who I am. I know why I'm here. I know where I'm going. I am, Lord, who I am because of your love for me. I am who I am because of God's love for me. And God's love for me has always existed. God has always loved me in Christ. He's always called me in Christ to forgive my sins and to purify my soul, to make me more and more like his son, patterned after the image of Christ. And that eternal love of God, which shares in all of God's attributes, it's eternal, it's immutable, it's all-powerful, it's omniscient, knows all things, can do all things. That eternal love of God for me is the foundation of my identity, the foundation of my existence. I am a son of God in Jesus Christ. You are a son or a daughter of God in Jesus Christ. God has always loved us from all eternity. God has loved you and God has loved me. And in that love, he sees our potential to love. He sees our potential to trust him and to love, to do the opposite of what Satan did, to mistrust and to sin, to rebel, to do the opposite of what we do in our sinfulness, to distrust him and to rebel against God, to grasp onto ourselves or to the world in a, in a mistrustful, rebellious way. To undo that, right, the forgiveness of sins, to undo that because of God's mercy and to remake ourselves with God's grace into sons and daughters who trust radically the Father and the Father's plan and who love the Father radically as Christ loved the Father. Pope Benedict put this idea in a similar way very beautifully. Pope Benedict said, we are not some casual and meaningless product of evolution. Each of us is the result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed. Each of us is loved. Each of us is necessary. Each of us is the result of a thought of God. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Lord, help us to remember this, that we're called into existence to be holy. Your love for us and our call to holiness are two sides of the same coin. When we find our identity, we also find our purpose. We find our mission. When we discover and are convinced of who we are, we also discover and are convinced of what we're here for, right? what we have to do. And that's a very exalted mission. It's a very exalted purpose. We're here to carry out and continue the mission of Christ. 
We're here to be other Christs, Christ himself, alter Christus, ipse Christus. What a beautiful mission. What a high mission. Worth suffering for. Worth fighting for. Worth living and dying for. The mission, Lord, of overcoming evil with good. Of bringing the good news of God's mercy and God's love to the world. And specifically to the people that I know. The people that I live and work with. To show others, Lord, their great value in your eyes. To show others, to reveal to them their dignity, how much they're worth to God, how much they're worth in themselves because of what they're worth to God. To discover the meaning of their own lives and the mission of their own lives. That they're loved by God and that they're called by God to love others on behalf of God. To love God, to discover how lovable God is in himself. What a wonderful thing. The vocation to holiness is a vocation to happiness. What makes us happy is the discovery and the enjoyment of true goods. And the greatest good is God. In our prayer life, in our service of God, we discover how lovable God is, how good God is. Delight in the Lord, the psalm says. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Lord, thank you for this call. Thank you for this mission, which has always existed. You've called me from the foundation of the world to be yours and to share in your divine mission. And St. Josemaria would emphasize that all of this in ordinary life, which means this identity, this mission, is lived out day by day, moment by moment, in the smallest things. And that's very powerful. It gives meaning to the smallest things we do, the most insignificant things that happen to us or that we have to carry out. All those small things have a great meaning and a great value because of our call. He would use the phrase making heroic verse, heroic verse out of the ordinary prose of our, of our day. This is from the way, 0.500 in the way. When you started your ordinary work again, something like a groan of complaint escaped you. It's always the same. And I told you, yes, it's always the same. But that ordinary job, which is the same one your fellow workers do, has to be a constant prayer for you. It has the same lovable words, but a different tune each day. It is very much our mission to transform the prose of this life into poetry, into heroic verse. And what makes that verse heroic? Well, it's heroic because it's part of an epic adventure. It's part of an epic poem. So it's part of a mission that is bigger than us. It's part of God's plan for us and for the world. And that's a good question for us in our prayer, in our reflection, Lord, in your presence. What story is my life telling? What kind of story is my life telling? What story or what kind of story, Lord, is my life a part of? Is it an epic adventure? Like the epic adventures of the ancient world, the Aeneid or the Odyssey, where a lot is at stake and there's a lot of suffering and great courage. 
or an epic adventure like The Lord of the Rings, where so much is at stake. And there's great suffering and great courage and great fellowship and joys and sorrows all mixed together in this incredible story. Or, Lord, by contrast, is my life telling a story of kind of like a pathetic sitcom, right? Instead of The Lord of the Rings, my life is more like, I don't know, Friends or the Real Housewives of New Jersey or, or whatever. And, f- and for us, for Christians, well, our life is part of this great story. And this is what we have to keep in mind when we do anything. The great story of Christ's victory and sacrifice. The great story of living with a generous mercy and shedding light upon the world. Such that anything I do is part of that story, adds to that story, advances the plot, advances the mission, the great mission that we're all on. And my life will be a small and pathetic story if it's a story of my own ego or a story of my own comfort, a story of my own fears. And so in that small pathetic story, right, things are good and I'm happy when things go my way according to my subjective judgment and my moods and they're bad and difficult simply when they don't go my way. And that's a pathetic story. It's the kind of story that no one wants to read or it's a kind of sitcom that we should just skip, right? It might be funny, <laughs> but it's not It's not uh, edifying or it's not culturally enlightening. Lord, we don't want to live that kind of story. Help us, Lord, to interpret our life heroically, interpret our life as part of Christ's mission. In last Sunday's reading, St. Paul encourages St. Timothy to do this. He challenges him to think of his life in heroic terms, in royal terms, in heroic and royal terms connected to Christ, connected to God's kingship, connected to what God has done. But as for you, O man of God, Paul writes to Timothy, but as for you, man of God, shun all this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of eternal life, to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And so Paul here is using heroic language, and it's the true language. This is the true, this is the true story. We are a part of an epic adventure, the adventure of the redemption of the world, the adventure of Christ saving the world. We're co-redeemers called to go into the world to share this light, to share this word, to introduce people to Christ, to spread his saving grace.
And Paul basically says to Timothy, go for it, fight for it. Right? You're called to holiness. You're called to heaven. The king is coming and we're here to do his will, his mission. Be faithful to this vocation, faithful to this call. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I too, Lord, am called to eternal life. And like Timothy, it's not going to come to me passively. I have to respond. I have to want it. God who created you without you will not save you without you, St. Augustine says. God who created you without you will not save you without you. We have to respond. We have to do our part. And this is making heroic verse precisely out of ordinary prose. And what a difference it makes, right? If something annoying happens to me, if something bad happens to me, well, there's different ways I can react depending on how I'm interpreting it, right? Depending on the story that I'm telling about myself, about what my goal is, about why I'm here. And so I don't know, let's say you're out to lunch with friends and your order comes out wrong. And, you know, but not too bad where you're going to send it back, right? It's still edible or whatever, but there's just something wrong with it. And so depending on, on your story, right? The story that you are at least implicitly telling yourself about your life, your reaction is going to be different, right? And so if the story is primarily selfish and there's a lack of self-control, well, then, you know, you're going to complain about it and you're going to complain about it in a way that is kind of annoying and brings others down and makes you upset as well. I can't believe they, you know, you can't get medium rare right in this restaurant. Why am I paying 25 bucks for a hamburger? They can't even get medium rare the right way. Well, in that case, I'd probably send it back. But anyway, <laughs> you get the <laughs> you get the point. Or you could say, well, you know, I'm the kind of person who wants to be peaceful for my own sake. And I don't, so I don't want to get upset about everything that goes wrong. Because if you do, you'll never be happy, right? There's always something wrong in any given moment that we could find that might annoy us. And so for the sake of my own peace of soul, for my own patience, I'm in the habit of just letting things go. I'll let go the fact that they didn't get medium rare right for my own sake, for my own peace of mind. And so that's another story, right? To say, well, I'm the kind of person who wants to live with a certain control and detachment from my immediate emotions because I don't want to be upset all the time. Or perhaps even higher, um, you might say, well, I don't want to be the person who's complaining. It's a nice event. I'm here with my friends. Everyone's enjoying their their chicken Caesar salads. And so no one wants to hear me complain about medium rare. And so for the sake of the others and not to be a nuisance, right? Because this is the kind of person I want to be. This is the kind of life I want to live. I don't want to be the annoying person always complaining. I'll just like let it go. And so that's another story you could tell. This event is an opportunity for me to care about others, to be agreeable. But if you're a Christian, right, there's still a third story. It's like, hey, this is great. 
thank God they messed up my burger. Because I can offer this for souls. Or I can offer this in my heart to Jesus, right? This disappointment, this annoyance. And it might be great because, you know, we are the way we are, right? And so if you're used to perfect burgers because you've always, you know, made your own burger or gone to the place that you like, well, a badly done burger might be very annoying to you on the, <laughs> on the lower level of your soul. Right? It might be something very disappointing. And so even though it's a nothing, it's, it's nothing objectively, subjectively, that, that's a nice sacrifice. A little thing done for love is worth so much. San Jose Maria says, well, a little thing suffered for love is worth so much. St. Therese of Lisieux, who's so close to San Jose Maria in so many ways in her spirituality, said, if I pick up a pin for the love of God, I might save a soul. If I do the smallest thing for God's love, I might save a soul. Or we can think of a small task that we have to do. And perhaps we don't like this task. Well, depending on the story, right? Maybe I avoid it. Maybe I procrastinate. If I'm looking out for my own immediate pleasure all the time. Or maybe I do it for myself because I know if I don't do it, well, then I'm going to feel bad about it. And I should at least get it done so that I can move on to something else. Do it because I have to. Or I can do it for others, right? Well, no, I, can't. I want to see my work as service. Or in the Christian vision, oh, I can do this for God. I can do this for grace, the redemption of souls. I can put a name on this. And this is turning that, that everyday prose of our life, those small, ordinary, seemingly insignificant moments, things that happen and things that we have to do, Turning them into heroic verse, right? Part of the story of God's love for the world. Part of the story of God's redemption of the world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for our call. Thank you for all of this grace. Thank you for St. Josemaria, for the help that he's given us in the church and all of us listening to know you better and to discover this wonderful panorama of our Christian existence a true call to holiness. Our Lady, our Mother, Queen of all saints, Queen of Opus Dei, pray for us.